Blue check marks on Twitter and Instagram are used by celebrities, content creators, journalists, and whoever else managed to get one to say, you can trust I am who I say I am, and you can trust me. But now Twitter and Meta have changed the rules of how to get verified and in the process have stripped some of the legitimacy of the all-powerful checkmark. We're back now with some big changes for the Bluebird. Of course, I'm talking about Twitter. The company announced over the weekend it was removing the so-called blue check marks. Yeah, these marks are given to users who have paid a monthly fee, but some argue it will lead to confusion over which accounts are authentic. In fact, it already has led to confusion there. You'd think the idea behind verification on these platforms would be to, you know, verify one's identity. But in the months since Elon Musk took over Twitter, there have been several redesigns of the blue checkmark and the addition of some other colors that symbolize other things. It's getting difficult to keep track of what means what. Most recently, Musk announced that anyone who isn't willing to pay the $8 for Twitter blue will lose their verified status, and some of the greatest minds have weighed in. Doja Cat tweeted, having a blue check mark now means there's a higher chance that you're a complete loser and that you're desperate for validation from famous people. However, actually confirming the identities of individuals on Twitter doesn't seem like a high-priority part of the plan, as we've seen a rise in imposter accounts. Over at Meta, Mark Zuckerberg has also rolled out a pay-to-play option with Meta Verified. In addition to providing some benefits, the program seeks to confirm subscriber identities by requiring them to use their legal name as their display name on Facebook and Instagram, and even provide government IDs to back them up. While this will likely cut down on imposters, it's a nightmare for trans people, creators who've built an audience based on a stage name, sex workers, and anyone else who chooses to use a different name for a multitude of reasons. Many creators have complained that they're paying $14.99 to essentially dox themselves. While there clearly isn't a simple and 100% effective solution to verifying people on the internet, neither the Wild West approach of Twitter nor the hardline Big Brother policy at Meta seem to be the right answer. I'm Daryl Etherington, and this is the TechCrunch Podcast, where we talk about the top stories in tech with the people who cover them. Today, we're talking to TechCrunch's newest reporter, Morgan Sung, to check in on what the check is going on with checkmarks. Welcome to the TechCrunch Podcast. This is your first time on, but it definitely won't be the last. (laughs) Thrilled to be here. Yeah. So what can you tell us about this story you wrote this week about Meta's Verified program? So basically, Meta rolled out a verification program, not too dissimilar from Twitter's last month. Part of it is that, you know, you pay around $15 and it gives you not only the blue check mark but also direct support from Meta, which is, you know, super valuable. It gives you impersonation protection, which, you know, if you have catfish accounts, you can easily get those taken down. It also gives you exclusive stickers for Instagram and Facebook, which, you know, if you want that, I guess that's cool. But the catch is that your Instagram profile display name has to match your legal name on your government ID. Mm. So you not only have to submit proof of identification, like your passport or driver's license, but you also have to make it match your profile name, which is concerning for a lot of people. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's interesting that they require both internally for their own verification Mm -hmm. and then also externally. Do they provide any kind of justification of why it's not sufficient just to like kind of provide the documents to their authenticators and then leave your name anonymous like to the general public or like as a pseudonym to the general public? Yeah. So a Meta spokesperson told me that they are launching with a, quote, very high standard of security. They basically said that they want to roll out this program to ensure the safety of their community, Hmm. whatever that means. Right. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, too, because the timing is like you mentioned. So Twitter has theirs, right, which is Mm -hmm. very different because I think the only qualification for what they call their verification, but their blue check mark is like, 
that you have a credit card mm-hmm. that you can charge, right? Like that's the extent of it. It doesn't seem like they check ID or anything. No, like not at all. And the, the wild thing with Meta is that a lot of people I talked to for the story said that, you know, they had been making money from Instagram and Facebook previously. Right. Like Meta had their tax documents, Meta had been paying them regularly, but no, they're apparently their display name needed to match their legal name. Huh. And then there's also, this just happened today. So I don't know if you particularly are like up on it, but LinkedIn mm-hmm. launched like their own verification program in partnership with Clear. But I think overall, it seems like there's a tendency towards this like desire to verify, right? And to prove people are who they say they are, mm-hmm. which seems likely to increase as you have stuff like generative AI being able to produce like realistic looking photos and videos of people talking. But it seems like there's a huge potential negative impact for the kinds of users and communities that you're writing about, right? Yeah, exactly. I think the beauty of the internet was always how, I mean, beauty and also danger, it's always a double-edged sword, but Mm. was how anonymous you can be on the internet. You can be anyone you want to be. But now there's a real push to prove yourself as a real person and also to, you know, dig up someone's actual identity online. And so I guess it is good that, you know, yeah, you can crack down on troll accounts, you can crack down on catfish accounts. But at the same time, like, yeah, I write about a lot of marginalized communities. I write about like activists and organizers and sex workers and a lot of people who are understandably wary of increased surveillance. Right. And they describe this as doxing. Yeah. Like it's basically straightforward doxing. Right. right? Yeah. I mean, for this story, I specifically talked to sex workers, you know, people who are either like dancers or full service workers or, you know, peer organizers or even adult content creators. And, you know, For an industry that is constantly flourishing, but also constantly in danger of litigation and of criminalization, like people understandably want to protect themselves and to protect their identities. So a lot of them do go by pseudonyms or a lot of them do go by, you know, like fake names. And that's kind of just the reality of their work. It doesn't mean that they're any less valid or any less of a person just means that they're protecting themselves. So the people I talked to for the story are very cautious of getting verified on Instagram. Did did they have any like alternatives or did you kind of identify any alternatives in the reporting of this that like would be able to perhaps serve some of the needs? Mm -hmm. Like obviously, like you said, it's always a balance, right? Mm -hmm. It's always a trade-off. So in any of these, it's possible that Meta has looked at the alternatives and has said like, that's not the balance we're willing to make, which is, I guess, a choice, right? But what kind of other options did people have or suggest or like, were they looking for from something like this program? I mean, the basic bare minimum, like bars on the floor, solution would be for Meta to, you know, take their IDs, take their legal names, but allow them to use mm. a pseudonym or allow them to use their, you know, their stage name. Sure. Honestly, that's the other issue is like a lot of the people I talk to do use stage names and they're known by certain names to their audience. And so one of them I talked to, she did just bite the bullet and get verified. And she said that a lot of her followers were confused because her display name was no longer her stage name and people didn't recognize her anymore. Mm-hmm. So that would be the bare minimum when, you know, you can take their ID and allow them to continue using the name that they choose. And, you know, that's another thing that a lot of trans people have said that they'd rather do because, you know, they may not have gone through the legal name change process yet or may not have the means to do so. The other solution, which Meta proposed, was like, they said that users can also use their initials for their display name. That gave mixed results. Hmm. One of the people I talked to said that she was not able to get verified using her initials of her legal name. So I don't know how that's working or why that is not working the way that Meta says it is. Yeah. And the last solution is, you know, 
Meta is already paying people who monetize their accounts. They already have their names. They already have their legal tax information. They don't necessarily need to verify their legal name publicly to already be verified within Meta. Yeah, the verification that you're like a taxable entity under whatever U.S. law is probably like plenty of verification relative to... You know, are you a bot? Like, you're not a bot, right, at that point. Exactly, right. Like, if you're already making money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Like, in that rundown, like, the initial thing is such a strange half measure or concession that (laughs) Meta has allowed. Like, you have to wonder what the logic is there from their side. Like, okay, well, we'll let you just use the initials and then that'll allow you to preserve some anonymity. But it's like one of those half measures that serves no Mm -hmm. one well. Right, exactly. Or another concession they had was, you know, you can use a nickname, a common abbreviation Mm. instead of your first name. So So if your name was Daniel, you could be Dan or something. Exactly. Or like (laughs) Ben instead of Benjamin. But like, that's so arbitrary. Who's deciding like what's a common nickname and what isn't? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you can use your middle name, but like I go by my middle name. But like, at the same time, it's like, who decides this? Like, what is a common nickname? Yeah. Often they run into this whenever they try to implement some kind of like content moderation or identity system or anything like that, where there's like, it seems, I think probably in like the product design meetings early on, they're like, oh, this is nice and clean. And then you get into all the actual like real world cases and it's like, no, it's not. It's it's super, (laughs) super fuzzy. And you haven't thought of any of them. And then you're just kind of like in these meetings arbitrarily going like, all right, we'll allow this. Let's move on. What's the next item on the agenda? Right. Right. It it reminds me so much of like Elon Musk deciding that, you know, fake names on verified accounts were okay as long as you added parody to it. Right. And, you know, like that turned into a mess anyway. So like who's deciding like what human being has come up with these ideas? Yeah. And I love the like the thinking that for these people when they come up with those ideas like those they're probably in their head they're like i solved it i got it and it's like no this is such the stupidest answer you could possibly come up with but uh yeah i I mean not to not to say that it's easy because it's not easy right and i understand that facebook is trying to do what it thinks on balance is probably best you know obviously they're doing some pr stuff when they're saying best for protecting our users but it's not baseless it's not like totally false it's like that's what they do think right protecting their users might also translate to like making the platform make the most money for them in this specific case right but like yeah their intentions are not malicious i don't think but the impacts are definitely serious like i think what was interesting in your article is you talked about just how much the verification changes sort of visibility and how much interaction there is with your account so do you want to talk a little bit about that yeah, for sure. One of the people I talked to for the story, who's a content creator who makes, you know, not safe for work content, had been struggling for a very long time to get her channel to grow, basically. She said that she had been playing it super carefully because she was really worried about getting her account taken down. She has over 2 million followers and to have that be suspended would be devastating for her. So she said that she had tried super hard not to push the limits of what Meta allows. You know, she would post like a bikini photo, but it would be still be the safest possible bikini photo. But she said that her account hasn't grown in years. Hmm. But when she got verified, within eight days, she said that her account overview showed 131% increase in accounts reached and nearly 60% increase in engagement. And even on her Instagram lives where she was averaging with a following of over 2 million, she was averaging, you know, around 100 viewers. But she said her most recent Instagram live had 600 viewers. And within 10 minutes, she made $11 just sitting there and talking. Wow. And so there are obvious benefits to getting verified yeah. in addition to you know the support and in addition to just being able to take down catfish accounts. So she said that it is a double-edged sword and that you know for her, it's worth it. But for a lot of sex workers, it's just too much of a risk. 
Yeah, and I think her example best illustrates just like how important it is and how much of a difference it can make to people and how they're able to make a living Mm -hmm. to get that versus not, right? And it's less about like, they shouldn't have to make the choice of, am Mm -hmm. I willing to make this sacrifice for potentially my own safety in exchange for this other thing, which is my livelihood, right? Like that shouldn't be the trade-off that anybody has to make. And I think when Meta is in a position where they control so much of this, it's effectively a monopoly when it comes to distribution for mm-hmm. reach for a lot of these people, right? So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, another person I talked to for the story said, you know, she is a adult content creator, but also a sex educator. And she said, like, this would be a great perk. But she's just not ready to take that risk. And she worries about how you know those benefits will be weaponized against people who can't or won't verify. Right. And this leaves aside sort of the fact that there's concern about who is a steward of your information and what what other additional access did they provide or could they potentially provide down the way, you know, intentionally perhaps, right? In the case of companies like Facebook, selling information or selling insights derived from user information, which effectively amounts to the same thing in a lot of the cases, or being subject to leaks, right? Like even Mm -hmm. if they're not intentionally doing it, like the information could be leaked if it's collected in future, if it's collected and stored. Right. And that's a problem. Right, exactly. And, you know, going back to like other solutions that we had talked about, Facebook has taken non-government IDs as forms of identification before. Mm -hmm. You know, when they had their whole like real name scandal a couple years ago where they were forcing users to use their real names and then a ton of LGBTQ people were targeted for not using their real names. Facebook was like, okay, sorry, we can... We're going to let you like explain yourself before we like take down your account. And also you can submit non-government IDs like library cards as your identification. And so, you know, even like that, you know, why when it comes to like surveillance and like people being worried about their privacy and their information being leaked, like why do we have to give our legal government IDs when we can give things like library cards? Sure. Yeah. And that it just ensures, even if it's not as perhaps like secure, it's kind of like it eliminates, I don't know, probably a massive percentage of the impersonation cases because people aren't going to go out and get those kinds of documents. (laughs) They won't be able to, right? Like maybe... They just can't secure them or it's just too much work to secure them for the purposes that they want to use the scam for, which is right. You know, yeah, probably arbitrary. Yeah, but. exactly. Like no one's going to go out and get a student ID to like pretend to be someone else. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, so it seems like there's a lot of, you know, additional work they need to do on this. Did you get the sense that they are interested in listening to the community and in changing some of these? So the meta spokesperson told me in the most meta way Mm -hmm. that, you know, they're working on a secure solution for alternate IDs and that, you know, they may eventually ease the restrictions that they have, but they didn't give me a timeline and they didn't give me any concrete answers. Mm. So the impression that I got was, you know, that they are in theory working on this, but, you know, it's not something that they can guarantee. Right. Well, it's definitely something that needs a better solution than this. And it's like... (laughs) It's going to keep coming up, right? It's going to keep coming up on other platforms and in other contexts. And I think that there needs to be more work done on this because it is, it's always a question of balance of like, what are the harms we're willing to accept and for whom, right? And this Facebook seems to have said, we're not willing to accept the harms of like a bunch of people running sort of lightweight scams or whatever or doing some mm-hmm. fake accounts in exchange for that we're willing to put marginalized people at risk right or people of marginalized mm-hmm. communities at risk whereas i think the better balance you know from my perspective would be like oh well it's actually better to have like some bots running around your platform than for people to have to dox themselves exactly right i mean yeah. like even the idea of taking down catfish accounts like 
if you're using a stage name and you're dealing with catfish accounts who are, you know, copying your stage name, then what is your legal name really going to do to take those down? Exactly. It's a completely different name. Yeah. It just, it's one of those things that, you know, maybe on paper it seemed to work, but in practice it makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's hope they connect the dots and uh, keep iterating on that. And I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon, Morgan. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love that. And now the top headlines from the week. Elon Musk gave a rare interview to an actual reporter this week, speaking to a BBC tech journalist who dropped in on him at the company's SFHQ. Musk spoke to the reporter on Twitter Spaces Live, and the two addressed a range of topics, including the company's approach to harmful content. Musk also admitted straight up that the only reason he bought Twitter in the end was that he thought he was going to lose a court case that would have forced him to go through with it anyway. Oh, and by the way, Twitter Inc. is now XCorp. You can read more on TC from both me and Amanda Silberling. Amazon has revealed at least part of its generative AI play, and it's around something called Bedrock. Bedrock is more of a platform that makes it easy for developers to implement and deploy existing trained models from companies including Stability AI. There is some Amazon original generative AI work in the mix, too. The company includes access to some of its own in-house AWS trained models in Bedrock. More on this from Kyle Wiggers on TechCrunch. The FTC has cracked down on an enforcement action regarding review hijacking. This first ever use of the FTC's authority in this area targets the maker of supplement brand Nature's Bounty. The specific wrongdoing in this case involved merging reviews across a range of products to make some seem like they're better reviewed than they actually are, which you've probably encountered if you've ever bought anything off of Amazon. The Nature's Bounty maker will have to pay a $600,000 fine to atone for its misdirection. You can read more about this on TC from Sarah Perez. Truecaller has built a reputation as a caller identification service, which can help cut down on spam. The service just introduced a live caller ID feature for iPhone users, though it's only available for paying Truecaller subscribers. Also, because of the way iOS restricts third-party app access, users won't immediately see caller ID info like they do on Android. They'll have to trigger Siri, which will in turn look up the incoming number in Truecaller's database. You can learn more on TC from Jagmeet Singh. That's it for this episode. Thanks for joining us. You can read all the stories we talked about at TechCrunch.com. By the way, I'm going to TechCrunch Early Stage in Boston, which is happening next week. Join me and save yourself some money using the code TCPOD for a 40% discount on founder and investor passes for the event, which is happening April 20th. Also, two podcasts from the TechCrunch Podcast Network have been nominated for Webby's for the best tech podcast. So you can go vote for either found or chain reaction at vote.webbyawards.com. But for both, you just can't vote for both with the same email account registration in one day. So do with that what you will. As always, don't miss the other TC podcasts we have found, Equity, Chain Reaction, and the TechCrunch Live podcast. See you next week. The TechCrunch podcast is hosted by myself, managing editor Daryl Etherington. We're produced by Maggie Stamitz with editing by Kel. Bryce Durbin is our illustrator. Alyssa Stringer leads audience development. And Henry Pickovit manages TechCrunch's audio products. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.